Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 38 That Awful Protruding Blade Bramling groaned and trembled as a grim face and Otto released him. His thin, weak hands grabbed the heavy metal ringlets as if trying to wrap them around him once more. Perhaps in his madness he believed that the chains offered some protection against the power and malevolence of Melkarisha. Jones tugged the wad of cloth from Bramlin's mouth, dislodging a tooth as he did so. The broken auger shook his head from side to side, his detached eyeballs swinging like a macabre pendulum. Sounds spilled and spat from his mouth and then formed a momentary coherence. Sweet goddess, protect us. He hissed, sweet goddess and her consort and their children still waiting to be revealed, please protect us. He made to stand, one hand on the table before him, the other pointing towards me. Damnation, he screamed, and for a horrible moment his detached eye seemed to be staring at me as furious and focused as the eye still sat in its socket. Zanotto punched the side of the auger's head. He slumped down once more, mouth twitching silently. Jones nodded a tight lipped thanks to his compadre, then addressed the rest of us. What the fuck is the foul regent doing here already? He said. As he spoke, he turned to stare at the infinite gloom beyond the table. Yeah, added Zanotto. What the fuck is a foul regent playing at? What about the fucking ritual? It's already happened, Kokani explained in his thin voice. For a second, my growing anxiety was smothered by the belief that I need not spill my blood after all. What I mean continued the young auger, his voice weakening with every stumbled word, is that the ritual has already happened for Mel Carisha. Not for us. Not yet. Well, not this yet. On an intellectual level, I could not grasp what Cockani was trying to explain, but a great solid weight of fear rolled and ground its way through my guts. I glanced from Kokani to Zanotto and Jones, and that weight in my gut became as heavy as a dead star. Before my eyes, the bravado of the gruesome twosome shrank into a stance of tight, careful defence, their arms drawing closer to their bodies as they made smaller targets of themselves.
Can we do some clarity here? Asked Jones as he peered at the heavy gloom. Zenoto watched the darkness as if seeking the answer there. Then, eyes still gloomward, turned his head a fraction towards his grim companion. Time means jack shit to Melkarisha, he said. In our future, His Excellency's blood has already been spilled. The foul lord took note of the deed and is now looking back from that moment to see what preceded it. Jonesy's face reflected my own confusion. So is Melkarisha here? He asked. Or is it just his fucking gaze? Gentlemen, interjected Admiral Jack. Does it really matter? I still could not understand, or rather my sanity refused to let me understand what was going on. I looked, as I always had done, towards Ifdek. My vizier, sensing my attention, managed to sit upright, though his shoulders were hunched up towards his ears and his hands knotted into fists. Your Excellency, he said slowly, as if forcing every word from his mouth. Whatever is to happen as a result of this ritual has already happened. It is already a done deal, Your Excellency. Nothing can change it. Are we that powerless? I whispered. Shame vying with fear inside me, tears pricking up my eyes, my right hand gripping the cold weight of the stone chalice. Talav put her hand gently on my wrist. We are, Your Excellency, she said. Her voice, the regret and the warmth of her words momentarily dulled my inner terror. The touch of her hand on mine briefly awoke kinder thoughts. Then she tightened her grip. At the same time, Kokani grabbed my left hand. Panicking, I turned to him, but his eyes were closed and his mouth already beginning to utter the words of the ritual. Queen of the stars, consort of space, he said, his voice still weak, but the words steady and sure. We ask your indulgence to speak to your vile nemesis, Melkarisha, foul regent, stealer of souls, excreter of all fear and filth and sin into the cosmos. For we are lost in fear and filth and sin. The reek of it chokes us and blinds us. We have become pathetic and rancid, putrid filth who would corrupt the divine earth with our disease. To become clean again, we need beg the source of our foulness and wretchedness that he 
will let us find the path back to glory. Kokani opened his eyes and looked at me. The scream in my belly was demanding egress, but I managed to keep my mouth squeezed tight. I could feel my nostrils flare as I breathed in deep and slow. In my head, I chanted the words of every schoolboy who ever waited his due punishment. Soon be over, soon be over. I turned my head to face Talav. The cords of my neck as tight and taut as long, rusted anchor chains. Your Excellency, she said, lifting the dagger. I forced my head to look forward again, found myself looking at the slumped and awful form of Bramlant directly opposite me, his figure as pale as bleached bone against the blackness beyond. I opened my mouth and spoke, my voice strong and deep. Malkarisha, I boomed, here is my blood. Take of it what you will. Pain flashed fast and deep into my right hand. It was pain, nauseating pain, but pain a man could endure. Instinctively, I looked at the source of my agony, saw my fingers gripping the rim of the chalice, the dagger blade sticking up from the back of my hand, the line of blood no thicker than a scarlet thread of cotton trickling over the web of skin between thumb and forefinger. I felt light-headed, far removed from the surreal union of flesh and metal, as if what I was seeing was no more than an unsettling dream wavering and drifting at the far edge of consciousness. Yet there was no time to enjoy such a lie. I knew, and the scream deep in my gut knew, this was no dream and the ritual was scarce begun. Talav gripped the knife's handle, waiting. Melkarisha, I declared, my voice trembling, my eyes focused on that awful protruding blade. Here are my woes, make of them what you will. Talav yanked the knife back, ripping its razor edge through skin, muscle and nerve endings. Blood erupted, my body shook violently. A scream escaped from me, high-pitched and awful, flushing with the burning barbs of pain tearing at my body. I was suffocating in the wretched, foul animal noise, the phosphorescent agony, unable to breathe, choking on my rising bile. With one last spasm, my gut spewed out its contents, and suddenly, with that spastic ejaculation, everything changed. Thanks everybody for listening to the latest episode of Marcus Marcus and the Hurting Heart. As you probably guessed, the story is now going to get very, very strange and weird from now on. 
So stay tuned. And of course, remember to tell your friends, your family and your ancient enemies about the story. And share it, review it, rate it, all that kind of stuff. I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's been contributing to my coffee fund. It's the reason the podcast is still going. So in the last week, we had quite a lot of people contributing. And I just want to give a big thank you to Marcus, um, Elsie. Um, then there was three anonymous donators, Kate, Madeline, Kitty and Isabel. Thank you so very much. Okay, stay tuned for more weird chapters. And in the meantime, just look after yourselves. Stay safe. Stay sane. Beam hugs to everybody you love. Okay. <laughs>